We have this day at approximately 9.14 a.m. located a set of skeletal remains. One resident says he's been haunted by his encounter with Gilbert since police discovered the unidentified bodies along the beach. He says he called police after she knocked on his door in a panic, but she vanished into the woods. You could have kept her from, from getting out of here. That weighs heavily on your mind, let me tell you it does. We're looking at that, that we could have a serial killer. In the wee early morning hours of May 1st, 2010, as Shannon Gilbert was riding down the long, quiet strip of road that led to a small, gated community, she had no idea that she was riding beside a makeshift graveyard. She also had no idea that she would be the next occupant of that graveyard. But why and who are the questions that we're asking? Is Shannon connected to a much bigger picture? Something clouded in conspiracy? Something more sadistic? Or was she just another victim of the Long Island serial killer? Let's muck around a little bit in the marsh and see what we can find. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Shannon Gilbert was just 23 when she went missing in 2010. She had been working as an escort on the popular site Craigslist. She was diagnosed as bipolar and had grown up mostly in foster care. Then, due to an unstable home life, she turned to a life of prostitution. On the night of her disappearance, a new client had solicited her to come out to his house in Oak Beach, a private waterfront community on Long Island in New York. That client was Joseph Brewer. Shannon spent three hours at Brewer's home that night, which was strange because she was scheduled to only spend two. Then, all of a sudden, Brewer emerged from the house to ask Shannon's driver, whose name was Michael Pack, for help. Brewer told Pack that he had asked Shannon to leave after they had a disagreement over her payment and that she became hysterical. Inside, Pack and Brewer tried to calm Shannon. She was screaming. She seemed crazed, but they had no luck calming her whatsoever. And by this time, Shannon had called 911 and was speaking to an operator. You could hear Pack and Brewer's voices in the background. Supposedly, these calls have never been released. More on that later. The operator could not understand Shannon, and she did not know where she was, as Shannon couldn't give her an address. Allegedly, Shannon was screaming, Please help me. Quote, They are trying to kill me. 
Please help me. It was supposed to be in quotes, too. You guys get the idea. But during the phone call, that went on for about 23 minutes. That's insane. 23-minute 911 call, and now that is confirmed. The, the, the phone records, Shannon's phone records show that she was on the phone with 911 for 23 minutes, and they won't release that call. But during that time, Shannon had managed to escape Brewer's home and was running door to door trying to find someone, anyone, to help her. And just five houses down from Brewer's, a gentleman by the name of Gus Coletti was shaving in his bathroom when he heard someone on his porch banging on the door and screaming, Please help me! Please help me! Gus told her to wait on the porch and that he had called the police. But for unknown reasons... Shannon ran away from Gus, too. Now, I say unknown, but Gus has later stated in an interview that Shannon took off at about the exact time she saw the headlights of her driver approaching Gus's house. Because now, by this time, Michael Pack is back in the car, and he's driving down the road. And she's only four or five houses down from Brewer's home, where she meets Gus, And when the headlights shine on Gus's property, or in the road in front of Gus's property, rather, she's out. So Gus then spotted Michael Pack in his SUV pulling up. He's looking for Shannon. Gus said he confronted Pack and told him that he had alerted authorities and they were on their way. Pack claims he drove around looking for Shannon for about an hour before heading back to New York alone. He later said... He believed her episode was caused by drugs. Now also, and uh, something that's that's quite important, is that when Gus confronted Pack and told him that he called the authorities, Pack actually got irritated. He got upset. He asked, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. And that could have just been because, you know, Pack has a past. Uh, He also has a past he has a felony record for smuggling someone into the country illegally. Um, And also, he is participating in an illegal business. So uh, that could be the only reason Pac was upset about the police being there. And that could also be the reason why Pac didn't really stick around that long. So, like we said, he believed her episode was caused by drugs, and he left. So it was not until the witness Gut Coletti called 911 that an officer was finally dispatched. They arrived at 6.07 a.m., 45 minutes after Gus's call. Okay, so Shannon has already called, been on the phone for 23 minutes to no avail. Gus calls after she leaves his house. Finally, they show up 45 minutes later. Reportedly, the officer searched the area but found absolutely no signs of Shannon. Gus also reports that the officer was very nonchalant, um, had no sense of urgency to him whatsoever. So the next day back at home of Marie Gilbert, Marie Gilbert is Shannon's mom. A strange phone call came through from a doctor. He was looking for Shannon. Marie recalls that the call was odd because the man claimed he ran a home for wayward girls and had been worried about Shannon. The person identified himself as Peter Hackett. Hackett was a resident of Oak Island, 
and a local physician. Mary thought the call was quite strange, but she had bigger problems right now. She still had no idea where her daughter was. So she went on to file a missing persons report, but was met with hesitation when she told authorities that her daughter was an escort. This is not something that's unusual, as many of us know who study true crime. When the situation involves a sex worker of any kind, the cops are a lot more hesitant. They consider the occupation high risk or par for the course in some ways, which is very disturbing to me. In many cases, reports are not even filed due to the victim's occupation and the fact that they are indeed adults as well. But it took Shannon's mom seven months to get even a little bit of effort in the search for Shannon. So on December 11, 2010, during what was claimed to be a search for Shannon Gilbert, police made a discovery that would rock not just Long Island, but the entire state of New York. Gilbert was the catalyst for what has become Long Island's largest homicide investigation. Late last year, police searching for her stumbled instead upon the bodies of four other women. More searches led to more bodies, 10 in all. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Richard Dormer voiced what everyone feared. We're looking at that, that we could have a serial killer. A full set of skeletal remains was found wrapped in a burlap bag in the bramble just a few hundred feet off of Ocean Parkway. Ocean Parkway was that long, quiet road I told you about at the beginning that Shannon took out to Joseph Brewer's house. So in the days following, police would find three more sets of remains in the same area and found also wrapped in burlap sacks. Victim one was Melissa Barthelemy. She was 24 years old, last seen on July 12, 2009. She was working as a hairdresser and dreamed of owning her own salon. Victim number two was Amber Lynn Costello, last seen in September of 2010. She grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, and was known for her generosity in helping others through their struggles. Maureen Brainerd Barnes, she was 25. July 9, 2007, she was a struggling single mother of two who turned to sex work to help pay her rent. And victim number four, Megan Waterman, 22 years of age, last seen June 2010. She is the only one of the four over five foot tall. She stood five foot five. That area was known as Gilgo Beach and was just three to four miles from where Shannon was last seen. The media dubbed the girls the Gilgo Four. Now I'm sure you heard in the recording with the police commissioner at the time, there were 10 bodies found in all. Some were not identified at this time, and some have still yet to be identified today. But autopsies revealed that all four victims died by asphyxiation or strangulation. However, this discovery was both a relief and disaster for the Gilbert family. For Shannon was not one of the bodies found, meaning she was still out there somewhere. The four sets of remains belonged to four other young women who went missing across the time span of 2007 to 2010. All four women had been working as escorts, 
and had been using Craigslist to advertise just as Shannon had done. They also were young girls that were very petite, making the average person believe that this was like a script of criminal minds and that there was some sort of serial killer loose in Long Island. Or at least, he liked to dump his victims there. Despite the obvious nature of these killings, the local police commissioner and DA's office downplayed the seriousness of this case. But Shannon's mother, Mary, and the Gilbert family attorney were not going to let this happen. We're here today at the site of these terrible crimes because the Suffolk County Police Department is grossly derelict in its duty not only to have investigated these murders properly, but also because they failed to protect the lives of these people who are now gone. And that is certainly inclusive of Shannon. There is no doubt from what we know of the evidence that Shannon would still be alive today if Suffolk County Police had actually done their job. But instead, the commissioner of police in Suffolk County has acted like he's, he's running a, an investigation like the Pink Panther. Say what now? Shots have been fired. They need to quit Pink Panthering around out here. But that was the lawyer, right? He's trying to make a statement. Mary was a little more gentle. Today, I hope this brings us one step closer to finding a killer. But we need help. We need help from the public. We need help from the FBI. We need help from your news media. Is all I'm requesting is this. Think of it as if it was your child. If it was your mother or your father or your sister or your brother. How would you feel that someone knew something, someone could help, but didn't want to, and they didn't care? Is all that I am asking for my family and on behalf of the other victims' families is please help end my pain, end their pain, and find this killer before he strikes and hurts and murders someone that you love. So over the next year, a stretch of Ocean Parkway was now being combed through in hopes of finding the still-missing Shannon Gilbert and answers to who killed the Gilgo Four. So during this year, six more sets of remains were found. So now we're up to the ten that they originally talked about in the clip that I played you earlier. Of those six, only one has been identified, and she was another escort who was also working through Craigslist. Her name was Jessica Taylor. She was 20 years old. She was identified on March 29th, 2011. Jessica's head and hands were found, which they were able to match to her body that had been previously found but unidentified at the time in July of 2003. The other victims included an Asian man who was dressed as a woman, Somewhere between the ages of 17 and 25 is where they put him. And also the remains of a woman and her young child found just days apart from each other. Lastly, there was a severed head and other remains of a Jane Doe whose torso had been found on a nearby island all the way back in 1996. She still remains unidentified. 
leading everyone to believe that this killer has been working for almost two decades now. There are also a possible seven more victims that may be linked to the Long Island serial killer. But there was still no Shannon. In the search for Shannon, it was finally brought to light that Long Island had a serial killer, one who allegedly targeted young female sex workers. At this time, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner was Robert Dormer. Earlier in the investigation, Dormer downplayed the thought of a serial killer, saying there was nothing to link all the victims together. That is impossible for me to comprehend. Nothing to link the killers together. I mean, nothing to link the victims together. I'm sorry. They were all sex workers. They all worked through Craigslist. They were all roughly the same size. How They were all in the same area. How does this not link people together? That just, it, it blows my mind. But some believe he did this under pressure of higher authority, possibly politically motivated. But when he could deny it no longer, he claimed that there could be multiple killers or that Ocean Parkway was just a shared dumping ground. You know, it's just a, just a place, you just Google good place to dump a body and they're like, have you tried Ocean Parkway? <laughs> it's the first thing that comes up. It's just unbelievable. Then on December 13th, 2011, a year after the original four sets of remains were found, Mary Gilbert received the call that she hoped would never come. Shannon Gilbert had been found. Police had dragged and drained the marsh in Oak Beach and found Shannon's remains. She was found just a quarter of a mile from where she was last seen on May 1st, 2010, and just a few hundred feet off Ocean Parkway. Her skeleton was found face up and without her belongings, which were found further away from her body, which included her purse, her phone, and her pants. Before Shannon's autopsy had been completed, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner Robert Dormer said in a press conference that Shannon's death was an accident, which led the public to believe the police were covering something up. An autopsy was done, and it was determined that Shannon had drowned. Her death was ruled an accident by way of drowning. Now, where Shannon was found, it was what you would call a marsh. Um, it wasn't really flowing water, and it wasn't deep water. So for someone to drown in this, in this area, it would be very difficult. You would almost have to be lying on your stomach face down. But it also could not be determined if Shannon had been on drugs that night, as her remains had been out and exposed to the elements for over a year now, obviously. It was concluded that Shannon Gilbert was not a victim of the Long Island serial killer. However, Shannon's mother was not pleased with the results, as the Suffolk County Police had proven already an incompetence. And when it came to the cases of sex workers, that incompetence was magnified. So Mary Gilbert hired attorney John Ray, and together they put together an investigation and called into question the ethical and procedural dealings of the SCPD. Marie also hired an independent medical examiner to do an autopsy, and his findings, though inconclusive, revealed damage to Shannon's hyoid bone. 
indicating a possibility of strangulation. But police still filed Shannon's death as accidental. So was Shannon just a coincidence that uncovered a grisly crime that would have otherwise gone unnoticed? Or was she victim number 11 of a serial killer that has been dumping bodies on Long Island for almost 20 years? Was her death a distraction from the Long Island serial killer investigation, or did her killer elude the cops thanks to the discoveries of the other Long Island serial killer victims? In Shannon's case, there have been three main suspects who may have caused her death. Number one, her John that night, the man she went to meet, Joseph Brewer. Number two, Michael Pack, who was her driver, who she was seen running away from, which is very odd. It's very, very odd. I, um, I have no reason but to believe that she hadn't used Michael Pack as a driver before. It seemed as though they had um, worked together before. But for some reason in this, during this night, she did not want to run to the driver to get away, which is what sex workers do. When you are in danger, when you feel like you're in danger or you feel like a situation is unsafe, you go to the one safe place. You go to the one person you know, your driver. And she continued to run from him that night. And number three... Dr. Peter Hackett. And if Hackett has nothing to do with this, he is strange, to say the least. And when he was questioned about this phone call that he made to Mary Gilbert, he originally told police he had never called Mary and did not even meet Shannon. However, it was proven through phone records that he had called Mary Gilbert twice He claimed that he had gotten Mary's number from Shannon's boyfriend, who had come to Oak Beach looking for Shannon the day she went missing. When Shannon's body was found, Mary claims that the police took her to Dr. Hackett's house and stood on the back balcony and pointed to the area where Shannon was killed. Her belongings, which I mentioned before, were not near the body. They were practically in Hackett's backyard. All of this combined led Mary Gilbert to believe that if Hackett did not physically kill her daughter, he did somehow contribute to it or knew something about it. And in 2012, Mary Gilbert filed a wrongful death suit against Hackett, citing that he administered medication and medical treatment that led to her death. Today we're announcing the lawsuit that Mary Gilbert and the estate of Shannon Gilbert have brought against Dr. C. Peter Hackett, the uh, doctor of osteopathy who uh, was the last one to have encountered Shannon in Oak Beach on the edge of the swamp right before she died on that day. The lawsuit has been served. We allege that from our investigation to date, that Dr. Peter Hackett has told others that he encountered Shannon knocking on his door on May 1st, that he let her in to his home, and that he administered to her narcotics, and that having done that, she was in such a state 
a mental state that he used the phrase that it was, quote, unquote, too late to help her. And that he then released her to uh, her driver, uh, Michael Pack, to the pimp. And uh, he made this claim to other people in Oak Beach, other residents. Now, therefore, he also uh, is responsible as a medical doctor licensed in the state of New York to have treated her uh, with great fiduciary care. And he failed in that, in not only giving her drugs, which he had no right to do, but also in allegedly letting her go uh, from his custody and care in the condition in which he found her, at, resulting in her death. We also know that Dr. Hackett called Mary Gilbert within a day of the, the incident when Shannon disappeared and represented to poor Shannon's mother that he had Shannon in his care and that he ran a home for wayward girls. He represented to Mary that in this home for wayward girls, he was going to put Shannon and that he was reaching out to Mary as the mother uh, to uh, find out whether or not she would approve. I, I do believe in my heart that um, Dr. Hackett did play a major role in my daughter's death. And um, it was already proven that he was a liar once by de denying he called me for over a year. So we're going to continue to prove that um, he did have something to do with my daughter's murder. Unfortunately, most of the case against Hackett was dismissed in 2013, including all counts of wrongful death. So the Gilbert family moved forward, and they've been fighting to get possession of Shannon's 911 call from that night of her disappearance from the SCPD for a long time. A judge ruled that the family had the right to hear the call and called for the SCPD to release it, but they have continually filed appeals to keep it safe, stating that it would hinder their investigation. Which is very odd, because if you've ruled her death an accident, what exactly are you investigating? I want to play you a clip from just four months ago in a press conference where the current police commissioner of Suffolk County, Geraldine Hart, is asked the question, why hasn't she released the call? So uh, as you know, a judge uh, ruled on the 911 tapes. We have appealed that ruling and will obviously be guided by the, uh, the appellate division's decision. But why not appeal the verdict? Why do you not want those 911 so it's, we consider it part of the investigation, and we are uh, we're making sure that we're protecting the investigation as we move forward, um, as we do with every piece of evidence. If it wasn't a victim of the killer, how is this? How is that tape part of an ongoing investigation? So we don't. Uh, we're not necessarily certain. Uh, we don't think she matches many of the uh, the patterns of the Gilgo Beach homicides. Um, as you know, the medical examiner has determined that it's uh, actually undetermined. They do not know whether it's natural causes or the cause of a criminal act. So we are moving are forward based on that. So we've constantly said, um, and I can tell you at least for the uh, time that I've been involved with this investigation since 2015, that uh, 
she does not match the pattern of the, the Gilgo Beach homicides. But again, I want to emphasize to everybody here, we let the facts dictate where we're going to go with this investigation. It's very dangerous to speculate or come to conclusions before all the investigation is completed, completed and the evidence is reviewed. The belt that the gentleman is referring to is the only piece of evidence that the Suffolk County Police have uh, shown to the public. And it is a small picture of a section of a leather belt with uh, initials on it. I'll let the commissioner describe that to you as well. A black leather belt embossed with the letters HM or WH was recovered during the initial stages of this investigation. We believe that the belt was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. We are not providing the specific location where the belt was found and additional information on this item will not be available at this time. However, we do anticipate releasing photographs of the belt via gilgonews.com when appropriate. It's been nine years. When is this going to be appropriate to release evidence that seems as though it could solve this crime or at least give us a great start? Well, to truly understand the alleged corruption uh, in this police department, you would have to go back to that time nine years ago when a gentleman by the name of James Burke was a police official who uh, had somewhat of a checkered past. Fox News did an interview with a man named John Zeman, and he talks about this official, his handling of the case, and also his hesitance to let the FBI help in the investigation. Josh Zeman is a documentarian and investigator, director of The Killing Season, which we want to mention is now available on Amazon, where you research in-depth what happened to these women? And so now we have this twist and turn to the case. And so your, our viewers can catch up on Amazon if they'd like sure. to see the story up to this point. Tell us a little bit about this police official and why suddenly he's back in the news in regard to this case. Well, James Burke had been um, the former uh, chief of police. He was eventually uh, arrested, sentenced to 46 months for violating uh, a guy's rights who broke into his car and found what's called nasty porn. Uh, he goes away, and now uh, basically a sex worker tweeted us a couple days ago, says, I have some new information. Uh, allegedly, uh, she says that she had sex with uh, James Burke in Oak Beach, which is literally four miles from where all these bodies were found, basically five months after it happened. So we really have to question what's going on here. And just to set the scene for our viewers, we also went out a few years ago just to look at this area. It's an extremely desolate area. There's not a lot of residents there, although no. there are some homes. And so we're seeing some of the bramble, if you will, alongside of the road where some of these bodies were discovered. So. The FBI, at a certain point here, Josh, got involved with the investigation, but they weren't always involved with the investigation. And a lot of that had to do with this police chief that is now being questioned. Right. Talk to us about that. Well, what happened was, and in fact, um, we know that the police, this former police chief and the DA prevented the FBI from kind of coming back into the case. The detectives had asked for more help, and they said, we don't need it. 
now we're kind of asking why. Why didn't they want the FBI to come in? And the idea is that basically the police chief, maybe the DNA, the DA didn't want the FBI kind of looking at their nefarious behavior. And in the past they said, oh, well, that's because obviously of this pornography. Right. Or this is something that was going on that they were trying to hide from the FBI. They didn't want the FBI around because of that. Right. But now, Josh, what do you think? Do you think they didn't want the FBI around because they're connected in some way to these murders? I, I mean, the allegation is that there must be some connection. And they haven't released Shannon Gilbert's 911 call in which people speculate maybe she's kind of referring to uh, a police official on the tape saying either that's the person who's trying to kill her or asking like get this get this and person. And what's your understanding because this 911 call is long. It's not like it's, it's a 911 call that's 30 seconds. It's 20 minutes. Yeah, 23 minutes long. So what I mean you've obviously asked for the 911 tapes. What are you told when you <laughs> ask for them? We're told they're they're part of evidence and we keep saying and uh, as does um Shannon Gilbert's estate lawyer, John Ray, saying that we need to know what's on these tapes. At, th at this point, it's a public safety issue. Absolutely, especially yeah. if the killer is still out there. And some have alleged, as we had did, did our own little investigation, mm -hmm. if you will, um, so they said, well, this is just a coincidence. This is an area where there's bodies that can be easily dumped, and there's these areas in every city. I mean, it sounds strange, doesn't it? But that's what we were told when we asked some questions. Sure. Now there's some more information, though, with certain body parts that have been found. And if you can, summarize that right Josh because there's another twist as well right so we like one of the last things we were doing as we were wrapping up the series was we wanted to get this one body known as Jane Doe number three this one victim into NamUs which is this public database so that basically people out there might be able to identify who she is in asking the Nassau County Medical Examiner's Office to 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 put this record in they were forced to release that this individual is linked to a torso found in 1997 in Hempstead, which is like 40 miles away. Wow, so does that mean whoever killed her has been on the loose since 1997? Actually, 1996, because we know that there's another uh, pair of severed legs that were found on Fire Island. We didn't know if that case was actually connected, but now knowing that we have this DNA match to a torso in 97, we know that they're all connected. And so we also know that the Suffolk County PD and the Nassau County PD knew that there was this connection for at least a year and a half. So why didn't they tell anybody? There's some interesting questions here. Yeah. I and mean, it was something, it's been a project for our show because we've thought, you know, these are some of the most innocent, vulnerable people that were murdered and no Absolutely. one followed up. And hopefully we're closer to some answers. And Josh, sounds like you have another series <laughs> that you have ahead of you. So hopefully we'll, we'll get those answers. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Look forward to having you back as well. So that brings us to today, May of 2020. And the Gilbert family lawyer, John Ray, was finally given Shannon's 911 tapes and the calls of the other witnesses. However, he is barred from discussing the context of the tapes. But what he is able to do is give his opinion on the content of those tapes and how valuable they may or may not be. Which is exactly what he did in an interview with TV journalist Eileen LaPalmer. Uh, no. What is on those tapes, I've listened to for many hours over and over. And I, can, I have no right to reveal information that's on those discs because the court has restrained that. I'll obey the court. I do have a right to express my opinion. I can't give information. My opinion is that the, the tapes are extremely valuable and extremely interesting. Uh, both to myself and ultimately to the public. Uh, and I can also say that we're going to need voice enhancement 
due to the nature of voices when there are some uh, people talking and you know, the 911 people are talking, the voices can get confused, people mumble. It's very hard sometimes to understand everything. So I had to listen many hours to try to straighten out what was there. And we're going to need voice enhancements to figure out who's who in some cases. So we don't have anybody to do that. We're going to ask companies that have this capacity to volunteer for it because we have no money to fund it. And we'll move that right away. So it will be of great value if the public does get to hear them someday. Now you've been fighting for the release of these recordings for quite some time, and I know that you are prohibited from discussing the particulars on it, but can you say in general, was there anything on there that surprised you or that you didn't expect without revealing what it is? Uh, I was surprised and I and you know don't know, I can't say what I expected. I, mean, I always expect almost anything in a case. So, uh, I can't go into that. I don't want to step over my boundaries, but I can say this, what the Suffolk County Police through the detective, homicide detective in 2012, told Newsday and wrote a detailed lengthy letter to Newsday and to me, uh, which was published in the springtime of, or late winter of uh, 2012, early winter of 2012 published to me and was published to the public in Newsday uh, by the detective or the Suffolk County Homicide Squad was not true. Uh, it, it is definitely not true. As well, when in the springtime of 2012, I and the Gilbert family met with the assistant medical examiner who performed the autopsy on Shannon Gilbert's bones and she was backed up by three homicide detectives who were there in the room uh, and it gave her advice on what to say. She told us what she said is on the tape. I can comment on what she said. And what she said was substantially not So we have those issues. Um, I also know that um, since then, of course, the regime has changed in the, in the uh, Suffolk County Police Department and so hopefully we'll get um, good work out of them on this and, and uh, all these old obstacles will be removed. Mm -hmm. so let's hope, hope for that. But there's no question that Suffolk County Homicide is counting this as an active criminal investigation at this time. And um, one thing I don't have that I had requested would be the uh, transcripts of the, the voices. And I don't have any voice analysis of those voices, which I had subpoenaed and which were ordered to be produced. The reason we don't have them is the Suffolk County Police have never done them. I apologize for the quality of that interview, but it was done via Skype. And if you'd like to see the whole video and hear the whole interview, you can go to Eileen La Palmer's Facebook page and hear the entire video as well as some other interviews uh, she has had with John Ray. Uh, and that's Eileen, E-I-L-E-E-N, her last name, La Palmer, L-E-H-P-A-M-E-R. So finally, the Gilberts catch a break 
in the case, right? Finally, they get some information, something that they've been wanting. But unfortunately, Mary Gilbert was not around for this small victory. Because in 2016, tragedy struck the Gilbert house again. Mary's younger daughter, Sarah, who had previously been diagnosed as schizophrenic, had a psychotic break and brutally stabbed her mother to death. According to the Daily Freeman, Sarah stabbed her mother 227 times before beating her with a fire extinguisher and stripping off all of her clothes and jewelry. Judge Donald Williams sentenced Sarah to 25 years to life after hearing testimony from Sarah's younger sister in which she called Sarah, quote, wicked, saying, quote, she tormented and belittled their mother for years before killing her. William wanted to make sure Sarah would be off the streets for good. He said, quote, I will never be able to put out of my mind the comments of your sister and your attorney. If you're afforded the opportunity, you will kill again. This court will not permit or contribute to that terrible situation ever happening again. And he called the sentence not an act of punishment, but, quote, instead an overwhelming desire to protect other people by taking you off the streets for as long as I can, end quote. We will never know for sure what happened to Shannon Gilbert. Was she a victim of the Long Island serial killer? Did she accidentally drown due to drugs, whether medical or recreational? Or was Shannon, like Sarah, suffering from a psychotic break that led to her untimely death? Now, there was a, there's a movie on Netflix that is more specifically about Shannon than the other girls, but it's called Lost Girls. And in that movie... Um, it, it kind of helps you understand the family dynamic a little bit more. And it talks about the younger sister having some mental issues. And then it also alludes to Shannon possibly having some mental issues and being a tough child to deal with as she grew up. And maybe that is why her mother had put her in foster care. Um, some of these, some of these things came up. Like I said, that's just a movie. That's just Hollywood. It could be over dramatized, um, but to me, the movie looked pretty close, pretty close to factual, especially for a movie. But unfortunately, we may never know. But thanks to Shannon Gilbert and her family, light has been shed on this dark, hidden graveyard, and hopefully, soon it will shine on those responsible. Well, guys, that's the case of Shannon Gilbert and just opening the can of worms, really, to the Long Island serial killer. There's a lot to be learned there. I wanted to focus more on the case of Shannon because I feel like Shannon was the strangest one. Shannon has the 911 call. Um, Shannon was found in the same area, but much closer to someone's house, and that someone happened to call... Shannon's mother, that's someone I'm speaking of, is Dr. Hackett, obviously. Um, there was just a lot of things about Shannon's case 
that got my attention. And without the case of Shannon Gilbert, uh, a lot of, maybe those bodies still aren't found to this day. So that was my opinion. That's what I chose to focus on. But like I said, there is a lot more to learn about the Long Island serial killer. And I always state my sources down in the episode description. If you guys want to find anything in there, you can see where I went. There's lots of Reddit uh, wormholes to go down and all sorts of things. But before we do all that, let's check in with our buddy Lorne and this week's Lorne Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's strange and unexplained LISC, the Long Island serial killer. I've been seeing that acronym for years in the true crime community. Um, always wanted to dive into it, but it just seems so overwhelming. And now after looking into it for a couple of days to do this synopsis, it is overwhelming. I was correct. Uh, there's just so much to it, so many suspects, so much time and uh, missed opportunity on the police's part. Um, in all, in Long Island, they, they, you know, they should have been searching for these women who were sex workers and they dehumanized them. And as we've seen so many times in the past, and when we've studied serial killers, some of the most prolific ones in history, um, were prolific because the police didn't care to find their victims. Um, they were sex workers in, in many cases like Gary Ridgway. Um, I watched the movie Lost Girls, um, on Netflix and I'm sure Michael's already talked about it. It was, uh, it was basically depicting, um, Marie Gilbert's search for her daughter Shannon and how that exposed all these victims that the Long Island serial killer had left strewed about the island. Um, very good. I liked uh, Amy Ryan. Very did a great job playing Marie Gilbert. I thought she was very compelling as a mother, uh, much in the you know the ilk of a Noreen Gosh, Johnny Gosh's mother, who just was relentless and up the police's ass all the time, stapling hundreds of flyers in their uh, police station and just saying you know pushing them pushing them. And, uh, because of that, there was a police officer who was out with his dog searching, supposedly quote unquote searching, uh, for Shannon. And, and the movie would lead you to believe the only reason he found any remains in Long Island is because he pulled over to let his dog relieve himself. Um, the dog then started barking because he had found remains of a, of a woman. And then that, that led to finding, as you know, more and more, they found, um, 10 to 16 women, um, that are kind of been attributed to, one or two killers. I I, I, t- I don't know. It, my thoughts are that there's police ties with this. Um, the you know there's a lot of speculation that this this area of Long Island um, was used by certain members in the police force as a party area. There was some kind of a home in that area where police were hiring sex workers and. Um, also, you know, they, they may have been connected to someone who was, um, ridding of these women who they, they viewed as like subhuman in a sense. Um, yeah. So, and, and Shannon's disappearance that uh, that brought all this to light was just so, so, uh, creepy. You know, the 20 minute 911 call where she's saying they're, they're going to kill me. They, you know, plural, 
Um, that to me was fishy. You know, it kind of stinks of a cover up. Um, so many other things. Um, I found D- Dr. Peter Hackett to be a very compelling suspect um, with him calling Marie Gilbert twice, the first call coming before Marie even realized that her daughter Shannon was missing. Um, uh, and he said that he ran a, a home for wayward girls, you know, and then he denies all that to the police and, uh, to, and, and publicly says to Marie that that's, that never happened. I never called you. And then the police find out that he did in fact call her twice, um, due to phone records. So why was he lying? Why did he call her in the first place? How did he get her phone number in the first place? Um, and then she's found her body is later found very close to his home in a secluded dense area that he would have access to and knew better than anyone. Um, and this wasn't the first time that a Lisk victim's family member had been contacted by potentially the killer himself and taunted uh, the family member. Um, so that was something that uh, Long Island serial killer, you know, may have been part of his M.O. was calling victim family members, um, which would lead you to believe maybe Hackett was the killer. Um, the fact also that he had worked and been fired by law enforcement at one point, um, he, that, you know, that would make you a more successful serial killer. You would understand police practices and how to cover things up better. Um, and, and getting cocky, you know, you calling family members because you've gotten away with this for up to two decades. I, I, but I tend to believe that there are multiple killers at play, whether they even were aware of each other or not. This is like an area where it'd be easy to dispose of bodies, obviously, because these bodies went unfound for so many years. It just goes to show you that it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an interesting place. It's kind of seems to be a little bit secluded, uh, the beaches along there and all the, you know, the brush that's along the beaches, um, and so you, you could contact a, a woman on Craigslist, have her come out there and, and then, uh, get rid of her in a sense, you know, um, but there were several other suspects. Um, I, I don't give as much clout to except for, um, John Bitroff, who was a local carpenter who the police had keyed as a key suspect. And he had actually been charged and imprisoned for the murders of two women who were sex workers in 2014 and remained, uh, remains a major suspect in the death of a third. Um, and coincidentally, the remains of two of the official Long Island serial killer victims were discovered very close to his home. One of the women also uh, he was convicted of killing was also reportedly shared a connection with Melissa Bartholomew, who was one of the first discovered Long Island serial killer victims. So this guy, I feel like, is is if there is only one, then he it's him. I feel like it's, it's John Bitroff. We already know he kills sex workers. He's done it to two for sure that he's convicted of is a major suspect for a third. And then he's connected to another one, another uh, sex worker that was uh, found killed in long Island. However, I tend to believe John Bitroff as well as another person. um, I mean, there's a guy that giant James Bissett, who's a business business owner who ran a nursery and had a lot of access to burlap and, and different stuff. I just feel like maybe the police are, uh, connecting dots there oh this guy has access to burlap this could be the killer but but also coincidentally he died by suicide two days after shannon gilbert's remains were found that's that doesn't look good um sadly i don't know that we'll ever get closure i don't know that the scumbag or scumbags that were uh guilty of of these crimes will ever be brought to justice you know obviously um freaking dr peter hackett ran off to florida uh because of all the pressure uh, when it came out that with phone records, you know, that he'd been lying about contacting Marie Gilbert, um, he ran off to Florida and, uh, I don't know if they'll ever have enough to convict him. Um, 
hopefully they can use DNA or something to connect uh, John Bitroff to more of these victims and get more closure for the families. Um, it's just so extensive, so crazy. And then, and then even it t- got even more tragic when you find out that uh, Marie Gilbert, Sham- Shannon's mother, uh, was ended up being murdered by her own daughter, Sarah Gilbert, who uh, was a diagnosed schizophrenic and had an episode and stabbed her in her apartment. And uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty tragic. But now, it's it's good to see Cherie, her other daughter, uh, pick up the torch, and she's continuing to. Um, just pressure police for justice of these of these women because they were they're human beings their mothers their daughters their sisters they you know I know police like to just like like I said act like they're subhuman and they they don't uh, you know like they, it doesn't matter uh, to them you know and that's why we we see this stuff go on and on but uh, they are human beings who maybe are going through a rough patch in their life and uh, and a lot of them could have pulled it together and and and. You know, it, it, it didn't, who are we to judge what someone does for a living anyway, you know? So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, it's it's another case where a mother, her search for justice uh, opened up a whole can of worms for, for police and made them look real bad. So hopefully more comes out. This is still ongoing. And, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to keep going down the Reddit rabbit hole on this one in my spare time because it's just so fascinating. But, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Did you guys get all that? That was a damn good synopsis. That is why I have Lauren on the show. He always sees different angles, brings some, maybe even brings some new information, stuff that that I left out, uh, like the fact that uh, Hackett did call um, Mary twice or Marie twice. I've heard it both ways, but most of the time it was it was uh, Mary Gilbert, which was Shannon's mother. Uh, yeah, Hackett called her twice. And it is odd. I didn't think about that, that she said they are trying to kill me. That's a great point. And, you know, like the uh, like the lawyer alluded to, John Ray, um, you know, he alluded to there being other voices and needing voice enhancement to, to really make out what those other people in these calls were saying. So there's a lot to consider here. Lauren gave you some uh, some possible suspects as well, some more possible suspects who were known serial killers in the area. Like I said, I didn't want to get too much into Long Island serial killer, but it's kind of hard not to uh, when you discuss Shannon Gilbert. But guys, I I want to thank you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed the show and you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash podcast. Or if you're already on Patreon, search Strange and Unexplained. Uh, You'll see our logo there with the dinosaurs in the desert. Um, If you can go on there, there's different tiers. There's a $3 tier where you can get all of the episodes released early. They're released on Thursdays uh, every week. Or, you know, if you, whereas they're released for free on the following Monday. Or... There's also other content on there. There's other. It's another show I do called The Palate Cleanser, which is just kind of a more relaxed, a lighter, more uplifting. Maybe I use ambient noises, things like that, to kind of clear your head um, of the true crime intake so you can sleep well at night. I mean, even though a lot of us do anyways. <laughs> it's normal practice, right? Also, I'll put videos up there, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, and um, that is on the $5 tier. The videos 
and behind the scenes. And then also you get a exclusive strange and unexplained uh, Patreon sticker, which I think is pretty dope. Uh, that is on the Patreon page or on any of our social media outlets. You guys can check that stuff out and stay updated on the show at SNU Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and then Strange and Unexplained on Facebook. And guys, if you want to help the show, just a great, if you can't afford any type of monetary donation, no big deal. Tell your friends. Please keep listening, subscribe, and review. Leave a review on iTunes, on Stitcher. Um, shit, wherever, wherever you listen, you can most likely leave a review. And it helps the show a lot. It helps grow the show. It helps other people see what this show consists of. And I greatly appreciate it. So much so that I will give you a shout out if you actually write something so I can see your name. If you don't want to write something that's cool, you can go on there and click five stars and it will still help the show. But if you write something, it lets me know and I can see your name and give you a shout. Okay. All right. So I want to give a shout to some new reviewers. Uh, Number one, Erica Zapita. Five stars. She said, very excited about this. Thank you very much, Erica. Uh, Star Jenny. Five stars says, I love all the cases you cover. Thank you so much. A TCG listener as well. True Crime Guys, thank you. Uh, Choice Fan, five stars says, I'm binging. Thank you so much. And uh, Chris, Chris, so far, so great. Well, I can always fuck it up later. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But thank you so much. Um, uh, Fire emojis as well. So that is always a beautiful sight. You know, everybody wants to see fire emojis. Um, so yeah, so those have been the new reviews over the last week. Like I said, guys, great way to help the show. Uh, oh, before we dip out, I want to give some new Patreon donors a shout because they are very special to me. All right. We got Jessica Ryan Despraz, Despraz, Danielle, uh, at our $5 level. Awesome. Danielle, you'll be receiving a sticker soon. And Chris Cali Lady. Thank you so much. Also at the $5 level, I will get you guys a stickers in the mail ASAP and uh, be on the lookout for some new uh, video content and some new Patreon stuff coming up very soon. All right, guys. Last but not least, if you, for some reason, found this show before True Crime Guys, go give True Crime Guys a listen on wherever you listen. It's a podcast I do with me and Lorne that you heard in the synopsis, and it's more of a discussion. It's a little more laid back. There is some banter. There may be a maybe a uh, tasteful joke here and there. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that with true crime, um, but some do. So it's not at the victim's uh, expense. It's non- nothing like that. But um, guys, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. So be strange. Just don't be a stranger. Mm-hmm.